My name is Chris Gannon, founder of Captivate Talent. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to be back again. This is the third interview at the October PodMax event, and you guys know how much of an impact this has. I talk about it all the time. I'm super excited to have my guest, Chris Gannon, with us. Chris is the founder of Captivate Talent. It's an innovative recruitment company focused on placing revenue professionals at high-growth technology companies. He has bootstrapped Captivate Talent off of a referral network to date over 90% of their clients and 50% of their placed candidates are driven through referrals and partnerships. Prior to Captivate Talent, he led both national and international recruitment teams at two high growth startups and scaled a high performing agency and sales team. I am super excited to dig into this interview. Chris, how are you doing today? I am great, Amber. Aside from when you hear like your bio read out loud, it's like kind of it's a little cringy, like it's like, ooh, like, right? I'm it's, not a, I hate, I hate the self promotion. So like that, just like, ooh. I'm the <laughs> same way, and I think it's really interesting. I was having this conversation with somebody before, actually, about um, showing up in a way that allows you to give value to people, and I hate that word, but to give benefit to to someone um, without expecting anything in return, yet we don't want to own our greatness to do it. And it's, it's such a double-edged sword. Yeah. Well, I think it is because, you know, there, there's, there's so many, there's so many like phonies out there. Like there, yeah. there's like the, like, what, what value you're, are you just like regurgitating somebody else's quote, like on LinkedIn in the morning and like, that's the value you're adding to a community. Or are you like actually somebody that's like trying to help people? Yeah. Are you doing I, it to self-promote or, or to actually help no, I definitely agree. And it's so crazy because I use the word value a lot as much as I dislike it. But the reason that I dislike it so much is because I feel like every sales course out there is like, you just want to add value. You want to add value. So what happens is you get people spamming you saying, oh, let me add value to you. And what that translates to them is let me pitch you. Right. And so you have the people out there that really want to add value and they use that word and you're like, oh, that's just such a dirty word sometimes. Yeah, it's like the it's like now everyone's like sell with empathy and you're like that's that's a new tactic now like let's sell with <laughs> okay like how about we were just always empathetic people that cared about our clients and customers what like always oh, i right. mean mind blowing um, global pandemic to evolve sales right well let's actually take this a little bit deeper because what i love about your bio is i'm actually involved in um, a couple of different networking environments and i'm i'm the um, president of a 
um, category specific networking group here. And so I love the power of networking. And when I hear people say, you know, let's, let's connect and see if I can add value. What I want to say is like, why don't we just connect and like talk like human beings and then like see what goes from there. Cause that's what networking is. People think they're going to get this big return all of a sudden immediately. And it's rep it's reputation building and relationship building. Can you talk about what networking is to you and the impact it's had on your career? I mean, I, I think it's like, I love networking because I'm genuinely a curious person. So I like learning about people and what they do. And that's why I think like recruiting is a good job for me. But for me, networking means like, like, how are you building a community of people that you could help? And maybe they help you back, but like, it's, you know, or you, you have to build a relationship before you actually could help somebody. You, you yeah. can't just cold email somebody and be like, here's this value I'm going to add. Like you have no idea if they need to read that white paper that your marketing <laughs> department like dreamed up. That's absolutely useless. Like you have to know if this is something that could add value to them. And you, you can't do that without building a relationship with somebody first. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, sometimes I go back and forth with do I respond to these people and tell them why this is failing or, um, and so one day we actually did a friend of mine. I was, I shared this message with her and I said, I'm just so tired of getting these messages. I think I'm going to respond. And she was like, I know I can, the person who messaged me was like, I know I can help you. And I'm like, how do you know you can help me? You don't even know me. Like you, you know nothing about me or my business. Um, it's so frustrating. So networking is a huge huge part of growing business. And I absolutely agree with that. What's interesting and what I've had to learn over the last couple of years is that networking isn't always traditional networking. Like the, the networking opportunities that are out there are so crazy that um, we often pass them up. It's, it's, I think like, you know, when you look back, it's, it's very easy to like connect the dots and be like, Oh, that's why I did that. And that's <laughs> like, you know, it's like when you're, you're talking to your team and you're like, come around kids. This is why this worked out. Like, let's be honest. Like if you went into that like networking event, knowing that like three years later, that connection was going to happen. Like you went into it with the wrong intentions. Like it's no one know, can see the long play like that when you're building relationships with people. Yeah. The problem with networking too. It's, it's like, it's a long play and you know what those short players look like. You do. Know. And they're normally the ones that are out of your networking group in six months because they're like, nobody's sending me anything. Or they're like, they're kind of like lurking. Yes. They're like, you know, when the paddle finishes and they're like, you're talking to somebody, they're like, you, you can like kind of see them and you're pretending not to turn your head, but you know, they're like right next to you. Yeah. Like, that, that's kind of the. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. Are you familiar with Travis Chappell? Have you heard any of his content and the Build Your oh, Network yeah. podcast? So he actually has a networking Ned. And so he's like, don't go in and be networking Ned, the person that throws your business cards at everybody, the person that wants to sell right then. Like, just be a person. Like, it's amazing. I, I think, too, one of the biggest mistakes I see in networking, and uh, I think Tim Ferriss had a podcast about this a long time ago. It's like everyone goes for the A players. Yeah. And if you just go for like the A player, like you have to be smart enough to look at like, who are the C players in that group who are going to become A players? Like those are the people you want to come up with. And if you're that same type of person, they're going to want to come up with you too. And that's, I think, how you build like a really good network. 
Yeah, I love it. Um, and one of the things that's so important with networking, and I want to take this into the recruiting side of things that you do, because I think that's so intriguing to me. Um, but one of the most imp important things about networking and the recruiting side, recruiting side of things is like showing up completely transparent and vulnerable about who you are and what you're looking for so that people can see the real you and determine whether it's a good fit. And I feel like so many times we go into situations believing what we're supposed to act like, what other people want us to act like, what do they expect? And then we never get to find out the true potential of what we're doing or where we're going. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think showing up that even first part of it is like, 85% of it for most people. Like you got to be there to play. Yeah. 100%. So how did you get into the recruiting field? How did that happen for you? I went to school and I studied recruiting as a major. <laughs> is that, I was going to say, is no, that a no, thing? No, okay. No, look, no, I have been known to be the gullible person in my family. So don't say stuff like that. If it's not real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nobody like thinks they're ever going to get into recruiting. Um, right. I don't think anybody goes to college and is like, I want to be a recruiter one day. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things that just happens. But my, my first job out of school was like door to door, yellow book sales. I sold advertisements in the yellow pages. And then I, I kind of thought the print industry wasn't going places. Like, again, one of those things that back then probably I wasn't thinking <laughs> that far into the future, but sounds really good when I tell the story now. Right. Um, so uh, I, put my resume on like monster.com or whatever it was back then. And a recruiter called me and I went into the office and halfway through the interview, she's like, would you ever consider recruiting? And I'm like, tell, tell me what it is. <laughs> um, so I, I worked for one of the really big recruiting companies out there um, for most of my twenties actually. Um, and it was a great place to learn. It was a great place to, you know, be responsible. They made just get into the office early, suit and tie every day, uh, a little bit of a crazy culture, uh, <laughs> everything you'd want as a 20 year old. Uh, and that's kind of how I got into it. I learned a lot. Um, but then I got a couple itches and I bailed. Uh, and the itches were in the entrepreneurial space. Where did you, where did you head after you so, left? So first it was the startup space. Cause that was, that was kind of the next step in the journey. So the big company bothered me because I wasn't allowed to be creative. Um, and I, I love being creative. I like trying to think outside the box. I like failing and learning from it. I like trying to do things that are new. Um, and there was no space for that. So I went into the startup world, learned the other side of recruiting as like a head of talent. Um, worked for two high growth startups, got some really cool experience, learned about things like candidate experience and empathy and like how to be a good human, um, which was really important. Um, and then I started my own company after that. I like it. So your company, tell us about that. So Captivate Talent. When I, when I worked in the startup space, I realized that there's lots of these early stage companies that get like series A funding or right before that. And they have no idea what's going on in the recruiting world. So I'm like, those people need the most help. Like Facebook doesn't need my help. They just need me to send them resumes. Like I want to help entrepreneurs grow their business. I want to help founders. I want to be able to give them advice on like how to set up their interview processes and stuff like that. So we decided to, or I decided to start the company with only focusing on early stage tech companies and we build their go-to-market teams, which is basically we find their sales, marketing, customer success people. That's awesome. And what I really like about that is that you're focusing on 
making sure that it's a right fit for the person who's getting hired as well as the business owner, instead of just trying to get somebody in a job for number purposes, which I feel like is sometimes the approach of bigger recruiting firms. That was the thing. It, it, like, it would, like, I remember it like it was yesterday. It would be the end of a quarter. Your manager would be like breathing down your neck, like, make the deal happen. You'd have this person that like doesn't want the job on the other end of the phone and you're like forcing them into the job because there's like a bottom line you need to hit for like the quarter. And I'm like, that's broken and it's wrong. And it's, it doesn't make sense. Like you're, somebody buys a house, they choose who their partner is going to be and they pick their job that they're going to spend a lot of their time at. Like we're, we're pivotal in one of those decisions. You can't force somebody into that position. Yeah, for sure. So how much of your time is spent with the potential employee as opposed to the potential employer? Like, do you do leadership trainings and like sale, um, morale trainings and anything like that? Or is it mainly on the employee side of things? So, you know, if you're doing the recruiting job the right way, they're, they're both. They're always both. Anybody who's looking for a job could potentially be a client one day. Anybody who's a client now could be looking for a job tomorrow. Um, so I would say at this point in my world, there's no real division between who you're spending more time with because if you're playing the game for the long run and you're thinking about the future, like you should always be looking at everyone. They could be a customer or a client or they could be a, a, a candidate or a client. They should always be both. Yeah, um, I love that answer. So yeah, we, we, we spend time on both sides, 50, 50, I guess you could say, but it's, it's really a hundred, a hundred, I guess. Yeah. I love that answer because I feel like so many, um, interactions that we go into, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in the networking world, but so many interactions that we go into, we're prejudging what we think people need from us. And then we're not giving them what they actually need or what they might need in the future that they don't know they need now. Um, I can't tell you how many interactions I've gone into through my journey where I've thought, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person about this product because they don't need that. And then like four calls later, you find out that's exactly what they needed and you just wasted a bunch of both of your time. It, it's weird. It's all, I mean, it, it, we, you know, in the recruiting world, in the sales world, we, you know, we're, we go in and we want to like just attack and pitch and attack and pitch, but we, so few times we listen. And that I think is what makes, if you drop, whether it's networking, selling, recruiting, if you just listen first and ask the right questions and get somebody to talk, that's when you really learn. Yeah. You- yeah. I definitely agree with you. It's just, we're in this culture where everybody feels like they have to be the front of, you know, we just listened to this amazing presentation as part of PodMax about not making your podcast about you, making your guest the, the hero of your podcast. And sometimes there's, there's so many things out there that tell us that you're supposed to be the face of your business. You're supposed to be the face of your podcast. You're supposed to be the face of the conversation. And that's exactly opposite of the way that it should be. Like your, your team, your family, your guest, they should be the face of what's going on. I I actually, you know, I don't understand the 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 ego and like I don't get it. I mean, of course everyone likes to be recognized and celebrated. Like any everyone likes recognition in some way, shape, or form. But like when I started Captivate Talent, even from the name, I was super intentional. 
Like there's a lot of, in the recruiting world, it's like pretty typical to like name a firm after yourself or throw your last name in it. And I'm like, who the hell wants to work for like Gannon partners? Like what the, <laughs> like, what the hell does that mean? That doesn't it mean sounds that. like an investment firm that people would yeah, run away from. They're all like Robert Michaels and Solomon Joes and like they're all like <laughs> old white guy names. We, we <laughs> it's like a generator button that you hit and it just matches up a few names. So like even naming the company, I'm like, let's, let's build a brand and a company that people want to work for. So, you know, when somebody decides when I want to grow and I want to hire people to work for me, they don't want to, they, they don't feel like they just work for me. They have an identity and a brand that they could be part of too. Yeah. So you got, I love that. I, I mean, listen, if, if you're at the point in your career where you could just put your name on the door and walk out, like, I guess more power to you, but eh, cheesy. Yeah. And, and, and if you're at that part in your career and you want to put your name on the door and walk out, then that's a whole nother problem, right? Because like, I just I couldn't imagine walking away from the coaching, the podcasting world, even if it was big enough for somebody else to do it, even the legal world, even though I'm stepping back from that a little bit, I couldn't imagine not being part of it in one way or another. And if you're okay, just stepping back, you're in the wrong field. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to step back at all at any time, like... <laughs> That's not how yeah. it works. <laughs> that, that, wait a minute. That's not how it goes. No, nah, you, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to start my own business and work 20 hours a week. Said no entrepreneur ever. <laughs> at least successful one. No, thank you. No successful entrepreneurs. I have this conversation with network marketers all the time because they, the, the big problem they have with their space is that people sell their products as a buy our intro kit and you'll be like a millionaire tomorrow. Right. And they don't, sell it as like, this is a business that you have to build and something you have to invest in. And sometimes I feel like that's the entrepreneurial space as well as people see the outcome. They see the cars, they see the nice house, they see all of this that goes on that people show on social media and they don't see the 20 hour days. They don't see the ups and downs. They don't see the days that you thought that you weren't going to be able to make payroll the next day. Like they don't see any of that. You don't see the grays in your, where's all those grays <laughs> from in your The beard? grays, right? You're like, I'm really 19, I promise. <laughs> you should have seen what I looked like in February. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's like that, uh, you know, there's that overused picture of like the iceberg and like, it's like everything you just said is like underwater. Yeah. And all that like nice stuff's on top. And they're like, oh, like, it's cool. You like run, like, you know, it's like, oh, you're successful. Like, yeah, you're like, I worked 70 hours last week. Right. Like you had a weekend where you didn't open your laptop. Like that <laughs> I started the company. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's funny because I talk to people um, about making plans and, and especially going into the dating world because I keep thinking I'm ready for that. And then I realize what's out there and I'm like, whoa, I changed my mind. Um, but they're always like, how do you, how do you find time for stuff? And it's really hard for me to explain to somebody who doesn't have that mentality that I don't find time for anything that like I, my day is extremely strategically put together every single day of the week, including Saturday and Sunday. It's, it's almost, it, it's, it's funny sometimes because when I, when I worked for that big firm, like if you asked me to describe my life, it would probably be the first thing I said was probably about my job. And like, unless you're like in it to win it with like a small team, like if you work for a really big company, that's the first thing you say, like, I don't know, that kind of bothers me. I guess, I guess you could like say that, but like, 
you flip it up. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're in a small, tiny growing like startup company, like kind of should be like, that's what the first thing you say you're doing all the time. Like if you're like, Oh, I started a company, but I'm really passionate about like cross cross country biking that I do twice a year. And you're like, how the hell do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So go make money cross country biking. Right. So let's, this is actually a really interesting conversation to dive into because you're in the recruiting space. You deal with people who are looking for a change of career, um, which interestingly, I would imagine that post COVID you're going to have a ton of options for people who are looking for a new career. Um, And a lot of listeners of this show are kind of stuck in that black hole of, I want to do this but everybody in my life has told me this is the way to go. So when you're having those conversations with someone and you're trying to convince them that they can follow this path they want to, what does that look like? What's that, that process look like for you? So there, there's a really good answer derived off of a really shitty tactic that I learned. And I'm sorry <laughs> to curse a little bit. but Oh, it's nothing they haven't heard from me. When I was young in the recruiting world and like you'd get the person on the other end of the phone be like, oh, let me talk to like my wife or husband about it. Like your response, you were trained to respond like, well, they're not working the job, you are. Like that was your like, how to overcome the objection. But in reality, the bigger picture of that, like if all these people in your life are telling you what to do, like good, they can do that. Like they could go live your life in like, in their own way. but if you're not happy, like if you're not just generally, like we all have bad days at work. Everyone has a bad day. I mean, I run my own company. I have bad days. I love what I do, but I have a bad day every once in a while. Like you got to make a change because you only have one. I mean, you only have one go. So like you don't hit 60 and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, let's try a new career and like work another 40 years at a new job. Like regretfully, that's not how we work as humans. So like, change it now. Like just make a change or find a way to make that change where you're at. Like, are there career path options? Are there things that you could do? Do you work for a boss that will help you pursue your dream or like change your job a little bit? Like, that's great. But if not, leave, go do what you want. Yeah. I feel like we are coming from a generation where this idea of happiness and fulfillment at work was never discussed. It was, are you, are you prepared? Uh, are you um, supporting your family? Are your bills paid? Do you, do you have stability? And if so, then that's what you want and everything else. Like, why are we even discussing it? And now we're kind of moving into this new world where you shouldn't have to choose between happiness and paying your bills. And I think that that shift is finally catching up with, with prior generations. And they're like, wait a minute, I can do that too. There, there's almost been like, sometimes it's like you, you see like, the 22 year old enter the workforce, quit their job like three weeks later. And you're like, you can give it a chance. And not everyone's really excited about their first three weeks of work. So like maybe get some like experience under you, but, but you're right. I, I remember when I, I first left that really big company and my mom was like, Oh, 401k you have benefits. Like, how are you doing this? Like you can work there for the next 30 years of your life and be happy. And I'm like, no, I could work there for the next <laughs> 30 years of my life. True. Be happy. Maybe not. Um, and then again, like a couple of years later, when I was leaving the startup world, which was risky a few years before that to go start my own company, it was the same thing. Oh, it's such a cool company. You have so much fun there. I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not what I want to do. And 
you know, you have to just do what you want to do. And I think that there's a quote, like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's entirely true, but <laughs> you, won't, you won't hate working every day of your life. Yes, I, I like that, that change. Um, I also want to comment on the fact that, you know, you very well could be doing what you want to do. And then maybe it's just not what you want to do anymore. And that's okay. And you get to make that change. Like you're not, well, I was going to say you're not married to your job, but some people aren't even married to the people they're married to. So you're not, you don't have to live this job forever. Um, it's, it's what do you want to do right now? And none of us knows what the future holds. So being able to make those adjustments, I just want to, and, and I know we're kind of harping on this message, but I want people to understand that like you get to change whenever you want to and nobody gets to tell you no. And if, if you're doing something on your own too, like you, you should consciously just be trying to evolve it all the time. So it's not the same thing every day. Like you shouldn't be doing, if you're running your own business or you took that leap of faith or you're about to, like you should have a plan that in three years you're, you're, you're kind of doing it a little differently. Yeah. And that, that's what, that's what drove, that was when I started this company, like there's a lot of one person recruiting shops. We used to call them the guys that sit in the underwear in their basement, <laughs> um, which I think we've all become during COVID. Uh, but I consciously said, listen, if I, if I start this today and I'm doing that same thing in three or four years, for me, that wasn't going to fulfill me. So I needed to make a plan where, okay, year one looks like this. Year two, we're going to hire some people. Year three, we're going to double in size because those are different jobs for me. And I knew personally like that would fulfill me. That was my fulfillment. Evolving fulfills me. So how did you deal with keeping your identity separate from your career? Because as you talk about evolving, that's one of the things that I know that I've experienced a lot and the people, especially in a field like I'm in with legal or medical or somewhere where they've spent a ton of time going to school, um, you tie your identity to your career. And that's a big problem in this country. So when you talk about evolving, how do you keep your identity separate from what you're doing? So... <sighs> I, I actually don't have a, I have a bad answer for that. <laughs> like for me, having my career as part of my identity, because I do what I enjoy, I love it. Like I, I like all things that are around my business. So like when I have to go to that networking event, it just seems like something I want to go do like on a Wednesday night. It's not like, Oh, I have to go to this thing that I like. If, if there's something in your industry or space after work and you hate going to it, but have to, you're probably in the wrong space. So like, do you necessarily need to separate those things? Yeah. If you hate what you do, you 100% should separate those things. And you should say, this is what I do to live. And I work here because I need to pay my bills. But if you do what you love, there doesn't necessarily have to be a huge separation. And if you're an entrepreneur, you start something on your own. There's no such, like, there's no such thing as a separation. So agreed. Um, I love that you said you had a really bad answer for that. And then that's going to be one of the key takeaways that people take from this. You're like, my answer is awful. And I'm like, write that down. <laughs> it's, just not, it's just not like, oh, like, like, make sure you budget like 10 hours for like personal time every morning. And like, you can read at 5am, like, get, come on. <laughs> so uh, 
first of all, I, I have to ask you what this personal time you speak of is, um, because I'm not familiar with it. Um, but second of all, so reading in the morning, I have to hit on that for just a minute, because we're about to head in and listen to Hal Elrod talk, which is going to be fantastic. And I just implemented his miracle morning. And I've been doing like 10 minutes of reading every morning. I've been getting my ass up at 4.30 in the morning all week oh. long. So I can read, right? Um, and what's crazy is that I used to subscribe to this idea that like I had to sit down and read like a chapter of a book at a time. And I'm such an all or nothing person that if I start a chapter and I don't finish it, I kind of have twitches all day long. So um, this 10 minute idea is insane. So I, I have to push back on the reading, but you just got to get your ass up early enough to do it. I think there's the there's this like misconception that, and I've traditionally most of my adult life have been a morning person, but I think there's this like misconception that if you get up early, like you're a more successful person. Yes. And there, there are like, I do agree that like, you know, if it's pre 8am and I have all my emails done, like I do feel like I can attack my day better, but also you have to realize what type of person you are. And that could change too, you know, pre work from home, COVID-19, when I was going into the office, I was a morning person, six o'clock every morning, no matter what, I was usually out of bed, moving around in some way, shape or form. But now I'm on my computer till 11, 12 o'clock at night easily because I'm home all the time. So getting up at 6 a.m. to start working again is like, and I did that for the first few months and I was it, like 12 hour days were light. It turned into like 15, 16 hour days. Which <laughs> break. Yeah. Like, and that just got to be like really unhealthy for headspace. Like there's, you never stop working as an entrepreneur, but there, there are some points where you have to like realize that your head's actually hurting because you're stressing yourself out. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you on that. I think for me, a morning routine isn't so much about the morning as it is of having a period in your day, preferably in the beginning of it, whatever time it starts, mm -hmm. where it's intentional actions, yeah. where you are intentionally choosing how the rest of the day is going to go. Because I know the days that I just get up, roll out of bed and run to a meeting, I'm putting out dumpster fires all day long. Yeah. And so like for me, I don't think it's necessarily morning as much as it is intentional actions at the start of your day. You have that time where you're not just a pinball for the rest of your day, because yeah. that's, that's what happens you know, the, you could have the most strategically planned calendar in the world, but like there are so many ways to access us through social media, phone, email, whatever it might be that like you're going to get a curveball thrown in there at one point. So like you have to have, you're right. You have to have that intentional time. You might not need to get up at 430 in the morning to do it, but like. Hey, if you can get to bed at nine o'clock these days, more power to you. Right. And I do. I like, I was passed out at eight 30 last night. Yeah. So I was like, when I start actually being social again and COVID is gone and I can go out into the world, like this is not going to be <laughs> the same experience. Um, there's something that you said too, though, about, um, constantly working like we, and we are constantly on work mode, but I think this is why I love networking as well, is it allows me to continue to work without feeling like I'm working. Cause I'm such a person, I'm such a people person. It's why I love podcasting so much. And so finding ways in your day where you can still accomplish what you feel like you need to accomplish. You're still working. Like I'm always on, but you find ways to to bring in that social time. Unfortunately, that means most of my friends are entrepreneurs because we hang out together and we network together because how much easier is it to describe a bad day to your friend that's an entrepreneur 
as opposed to your friend who maybe you grew up with that's a teacher at home. Like you, you just live two entirely, not saying one by any means is better than the other, but you just live two entirely different worlds. Like their bad day versus your bad day are two totally different things. And they're, they're kind of hard to understand and put yourself in that place. They are. And I'm glad you used a teacher as an example, because I'll take my bad day on like the worst day of my career uh, over yeah. a bad day as a teacher, probably over a good day as a teacher, to be honest. They, like they, I, they deserve any- medals for what they do. <laughs> I, I think over the last eight months, anybody who had a kid at home that was not <laughs> a teacher should be paid more train gun on that pretty quickly. I agree for sure. So I want to um, switch gears just a little bit and talk about this idea of success. And this goes into what you do with recruiting so much because you can't help somebody find that perfect job if you don't know what success means to them. So I ask every single one of my podcast guests this question, and I'm interested to hear your answer. What does success mean to you and how has that changed for you throughout your life? It used to have a dollar sign on it. Well, it actually used to. I remember my first job ever, I wanted to make $100,000 because that seemed like the perfect number at 22 years old. It was like six figures. And next to that, on my my cubicle desk, I had a picture of a Porsche. (laughs) That seemed like the coolest car in the world for me at that time. And I drive a 19, uh, I drive a 2000 Jeep Wrangler now. So like it, (laughs) how much my life has changed. Um, so I think we start off and, and success is about money in life. I think that's for a lot of people. They think money in a dollar sign, but you know, I, I'd be lying to say like, this is the, you know, at this point in my career, I don't make a lot of money anymore, but it's because I pour all the money back into my business because growth is success for me. Building something bigger than myself is success for me. Um, and you know, being able to take care and pay people back that have like, taking care of you is success for me. Like, you know, I'm fortunate enough where I still have both my parents and they're both pretty healthy. Like I want them to enjoy the rest of their life. And like, if I can facilitate that, that seems successful for me. I love it. When did a thousand or a hundred thousand dollars become the magic number? Cause that was my magic number too. And I just thought like a hundred thousand dollars and then like everything was roses from then on. Well, 22 years old, it was like a hundred thousand dollars. And then I, I think that was the number for a little while too. There was like early twenties. And then like I, I moved to Hoboken, like right outside of New York. And I'm like, wait, a hundred thousand dollars. Like <laughs> you can retire off a hundred thousand dollars. Like, like you can't even live on a hundred thousand dollars in the New York area. In New York city. That's like three roommates in a two bedroom. <laughs> I love that. You also had the hundred thousand dollar goal with the Porsche. Like you the can't Porsche. even afford the insurance on a Porsche for a hundred thousand dollars. With a, a, an $80,000 car. <laughs> But That's I, amazing. I think, I think that, you know, everyone wants to like earn enough money where they can live a life that they want, you know, comfortable, live in a place that they want, you know, go on vacations when they want. Um, but, you know, success is deeper than that. And the wrong, when we talk to candidates, when I talk to candidates, the ones that talk about m- money, even in sales, because we recruit for salespeople and salespeople, you know, the theory, they're, they're always just about money, which is actually not true. Very, very few times when you drive into why they want a new job and why they're leaving and what their goals are, very rarely is money the first answer. It's usually about family, prestige, career options, growth. Those are the things that we really see. And I, I align my own success with that. Like growth is success for me. Yeah. 
And I find it interesting when I am talking to somebody who talks about money being the idea of success to kind of try to dig deeper and find out why they think money is the idea of success. Because it almost always, if you ask questions, you find out that they think that money is going to bring them something. And that something is actually their definition of success. Yeah. Well, that's why it, I do an exercise whenever we hire somebody and every year with, when we do our reviews and stuff, I ask my team to write down their goals and like how much money they want to make and how they correlate to each other. Cause it's, it's never like, Oh, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars to have that money in the bank. It's like, Oh, cause I have a thousand dollars a month in student loans and I want to pay that off so I can like take my mom on a vacation. Like it's so many more levels below just the money. And I think the people that just want the money, it's more about ego. Yeah. And, and this goes back to our networking conversation where like you actually get to have that conversation and ask the deep questions and get to know someone instead of just take the surface answer and think that you've done your job. But the, networking is like networking's growth though, too. Like you, the more you, the more people you meet, the more people you learn about you're, you're growing, like you're growing as a person because you're learning more and you're, you're expanding your mind too. Like you're not this myopic individual that just like has one train of thought and like one certain type of friend and that's your life. Right. Absolutely. And you can, you can definitely see that progress if you're looking back. Um, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I know that we're coming towards the end of our time and have to get back to the main PodMax event. Um, before we do, I would love to wrap up with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Ooh, Okay. All right. right. Um, Before we jump into the random round, if people want to connect with you or they want to follow up on what you do with your recruiting, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, connect with my company, not me. (laughs) If you are listening, don't don't connect with me. Uh, (laughs) So LinkedIn's probably the best place to find me. It's Christopher Gannon on LinkedIn, I think. Um, But Captivate Talents, the company, follow them because I have some awesome people that work with me. Perfect. All right, let's do this quick random round. I promise the questions aren't overly painful. Okay. Only slightly painful. Um, And I'm actually asking this question to somebody who does this for a living. So this is going to be interesting. Um, If you could do any profession other than what you're currently doing now, what would you like to attempt? I'd want to be a chef. Chef or marine biologist. Yep. I love cooking. Okay. Um, If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Ooh, I'm on a Mad Men kick right now. So the 60s, I, I mean, it's a terrible show. Like, it's a really, like, there's so many things wrong that are, like, eye-opening, but it just seems, like, kind of fun and cool. Yeah. Uh, um, I, you might be disappointed when you get back to the 60s and you find out that it's not actually Mad Men. I was like, wait, you can't just drink at 12 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> now, I, I, yeah, I would say... I don't know. Yeah, no, I would say the 50s and 60s because I, I think it was a really transformational time for this country. And I, I, it would be, I'd be curious to compare it to now. Love it. Um, when you're doing content, are you a visual learner? Do you like to have the book and like turn the pages and highlight or do you like audiobooks? I hate audiobooks. I can't listen to them. I tried to listen to Nelson Mandela's book and it was amazing and I just couldn't. It was one of the most amazing stories of a human in the world and I couldn't get through that. So, uh, <laughs> 
I am visual, visual, visual. Give me a whiteboard. Give me like anything I can see and I can touch. I love it. So do you, are you okay with like either a Kindle version of a book or a regular version of a book? Yeah, or yeah, do yeah. you there, need there's the, the Kindle as long as I don't leave it on the airplane is usually a better. Yeah. That's always a bad thing. You never get those back. Nope, no chance. So as far as books are concerned, if you were to recommend a book to somebody at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey, who's trying to figure out what life's all about, what do you think is a good book for them? Cannot recommend this book anymore. Um, and if any one of my teammates heard this, they'd roll their eyes because I talk about it all the time. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, it's about how Nike started out of a garage and there are so many lessons and it's a story. So it's not your like business book about like how you should manage somebody that this author never met. Um, it's just his story and there's so many lessons you could take from it on the journey he goes. It's amazing. Really I love it. I'm going to have to check it out. That's the first time I've heard about that book. So thank you. Um, and then lastly, and this is a purely selfish question because I'm a music nerd and I need to add things to my playlist. What is your pump up song? What do you listen to to get yourself moving during the day? Oh, my big, my big pump up song is a little embarrassing. It's a uh, little Wayne right above it. It's the, okay. it's the opening theme song to the show ballers with the rock on it, which is like really cheesy, but like, I think the, some of the lyrics are a little questionable in it too, but it's like, it's just a good <laughs> pump up song. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on with me. I really appreciate it. If you guys, um, excuse me, those of you that are listening to this podcast, go check out Chris and his company, Captivate Talent on LinkedIn um, and connect with him because this is a fantastic connection to have um, for you or your team. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Amber. Had a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.